Well, good morning. Um, before we get into uh, what the message this morning, I just wanted to uh, just mention something. Yesterday, um, Elaine and Andrew and I had a wonderful time helping out with the Habitat for Humanity House. Um, it was just really, are you sore today? <laughs> I'm not too bad. I don't know, Andrew does so much, I'm sure he's probably not at all sore. Um, he plays hockey, so how much sore could he be, you know, building a house? But it was really a lot of fun. There were a lot of folks there. The people that sort of serve as their uh, paid staff, if you will, even though they only work part-time, are, are great to work with, very instructive in terms of telling you what to do. Um, a lot of great folks there to do it with. Uh, and, and honestly, if you're at all interested in you know, in construction or just seeing how things are made. It's, it's a really neat learning experience. Um, so I would, you know, if you haven't, we've got one more opportunity for you to participate, and that is going to be on the 3rd of December. So uh, it's just now the beginning of October. The house is not, it's just about to be under roof. So certainly will be by then. Probably be doing a lot of the in kind of inside stuff. Uh, at that point, so, but, you know, they only work on these for three days each week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those are the days when they have volunteers, so, anyway, I would just like to sort of encourage everyone that uh, wasn't able to do it this time to get in touch with me, get in touch with Andrew, we send that um, um, email out that has a link in there that you can sign up for it, so if you wanted to do it that way as well, um, and I got to tell you, <laughs> the women were among the hardest working women I've ever seen in my life. They were digging post holes and, um, and just going at it. It was really, really neat to watch. So, I mean, they really, w everyone did get into, uh, really did get in and participate. So it was, uh, it was a good day, even though it was a little on the muggy side. Uh, at least there was uh, some cloud cover. So what I want to do now is we're just going to just take a moment and be, be still. Um, just kind of, let's wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment and see. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Just come and have your way with us, your people. Thank you, Lord. 
Just continue to pour your spirit out upon your people. Bless this time that we have. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to be getting back into Revelation. But not today. <laughs> um, and there, there was much less arguing this week than last week. If you were here, you recall that God and I had a series of debates. He won. Um, so sort of learned from that 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 was probably not the way to go. But it's always it's interesting to me, and I, you know, I can't relate to how God speaks to you. I can only tell you how I interpret what he says to me. And so I knew probably from Monday right away what scripture I was supposed to talk about this week. And um, that was just affirmed yesterday morning once again by something that I read. And then, and this is sort of interesting. This is how I sort of know that it's what God wants me to do. Because when I woke up this morning, I was doing everything I could to try to rationalize not doing it thinking, you know, I just I should go back and just do the lesson I prepared and so on and so forth. Well, fortunately, as I kind of pressed through that, I then that all went away and I got much more at ease and, and comfortable with this. So, you know, there's just a little I don't know, a little instructive maybe on, you know, listening to God and responding and noticing that sometimes what appears to be an obstacle is really just the enemy trying to get in the way of something. And so if you'll just kind of stay with it and not immediately sort of bow to that pressure, it would have been very easy for me to pull out everything and, and just go on with what I was going to do last week, and that would have been fine. But that, you know, it's not what God wanted to do today. So, as I said, this, this sort of came very early on in the week. And what was interesting about last week was the feedback that I got from the message. And... Um, and it was good. It was really good. And I, I really appreciate all the kind things that everyone said. Um, how do I say this? <laughs> there is, but, but what I sort of was hearing through it in a tiny bit was this. Jeff, it is so good that you are bringing the Holy Spirit into church. We're so happy, and we hope you continue to do that. Okay. Now, I know that may not be what many of you meant when you, with what you said, but there was a part of me that heard that. Okay. And I can only believe that it, that's sort of what there was some intent for, because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten all this stuff this week. I mean, God just kept throwing this in, my, uh, in front of me. So it was this idea that as, as your pastor, that it is my responsibility and my duty to bring God to you each week, to bring the Holy Spirit. When in fact, that's not what God's Word says. Yes, I take my responsibility as being a spiritual leader very seriously. And... Um, I know that is my role, one of my roles here. But bringing the Holy Spirit 
into a Sunday service is not only, well, let me say it two ways. It's not my only role, and it's not only my role. Okay? And the scripture that uh, the Lord immediately led me to this week was a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And just to give you a little bit of background, for um, the better part of two or three chapters, Paul's been talking to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts, right? And uh, outlining them and talking about how the, the, the church is a body and that each part of the body has a particular purpose. And then, you know, emphasizing the whole idea of love and unity within the body and within the use of those spiritual gifts. And saying that, unless we're using them with, with a, within a basis of love, it's really, they're really not worth being used. Because unless love is, is sort of undergirding all of that, then, as he says, you know, Speaking with the voice of angels is nothing more than a clanging gong or a noisy cymbal. So love has got to be there for these spiritual gifts to really be meaningful. Okay, so that's, that's all of chapter 13. And, you know, you've probably heard it a thousand times at weddings, um, even though that's not the, the greatest contextual use of the chapter, but nonetheless. So... We get into chapter 14, and he starts talking about uh, prophecy and the use of speaking in tongues. Okay. So he then moves forward, and what I want to pick this up is at verse 26 in chapter 14. And he says this, What then is the right course, believers, when you meet together? And he's talking about a time like this. Right? When you meet together, when you get together and you're going to worship God. So when you get together, one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, which in parentheses is a disclosure of special knowledge, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let everything be constructive and edifying and done for the good of all the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be limited to two or at the most three, and each one speaking in turn, and one must interpret what is said. But if there is no one to interpret, the one who wishes to speak in a tongue must keep silent in church and let, let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, while the rest pay attention and weigh carefully what is said. But if an inspired revelation is made to another who is seated, then the first one must be silent. For in this way, you can all prophecy, prophesy one by one so that everyone may be instructed and everyone may be encouraged. For the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, the prophecy is under the speaker's control. So, and this is important because we don't believe that Someone can come in here and, you know, just has that, that God is just commanding them to speak and, and they have to. No, you can, if you truly is, is divined in here, if you are a prophet, you can control what you say. For God, who is the source of their prophesying, is not a God of confusion and disorder, 
but of peace and order. Okay, so that was the scripture. So what is that saying exactly? Well, what it's not saying is that when you come to church, Jeff has to do all of the spiritual heavy lifting. Right? Because very clearly up at the top, <coughs> when you meet together, each one, each one, that's you, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, etc. So what's that saying? That's saying that spiritual gifts, as we understand them, in most, for at least most of them, are to be used within the church so that you, everyone is kind of part of that experience on a Sunday morning, as long as it's done with order, right? That's kind of the key. And that's really why Paul begins to, you know, if you read further back in the letter, there has been, it sounds like that the Corinthian services are kind of a free-for-all right? People eating when they shouldn't be, you know, using communion as their meal for the day, um, everyone sort of talking at once, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it was just, it sounds like it was a mess, right? So he's writing to them saying, okay, hold on, folks. <laughs> let's, let's bring some order to this. Okay, here's how it's supposed to work, right? And so we have all these gifts, and you all should have them, or at least be desiring them. And then here is the time that you can bring this to bear. Okay, so that was sort of the basis for what I felt like the Lord was saying. And then I went to a devotional that I, I read, I've been reading this year in particular, and it's the man with the funny name, Smith Wigglesworth. And if you've never heard of Smith Wigglesworth, um, you obviously don't run in Pentecostal circles because this man is like at the top of the heap um, when it comes to, uh, he, he was known as the Apostle of Faith. And the stories uh, of Smith Wigglesworth are innumerable of all of the miraculous ways in which he healed people and spoke to people and so forth. And I mean, he had a faith that was just rock solid and really was a God chaser. I mean, if he sensed that God was anywhere, like in some meeting in some other city in, in near London, man, he was going. He would go right away, and he would stay until he got what he felt like God had for him. And he was very militant about it. I mean, he was unapologetic, just, look, I'm going to get whatever's going on here, I want it. <laughs> if it's not something I've ha I, I have or have ever experienced before, then I want more of what God has. Should we all have that yes. attitude, right? Yes. So this was from uh, yesterday. And I'm going to read the whole thing, but there's a couple of paragraphs that I thought were somewhat informative. And the, whole, the title of the devotional was Spiritual Gifts. And this is what he says. There is a great weakness in the church of Christ because of an awful ignorance concerning the Spirit of God and the gifts he came to bring. That, that sentence really got my attention as it relates to what God had been telling me about 
you know, this re- relative to this message. And when I read that, I was like, okay, I hear. I'll read that again. There is a great weakness in the church of Christ because of an awful ignorance concerning the Spirit of God and the gifts he has come to bring. God wants us to be powerful in every way because of the revelation of the knowledge of his will concerning the power and manifestation of his spirit. He desires us to be continually hungry to receive more and more of his spirit. So exactly what I was talking about. That's exactly how this man lived his life. He was continually hungry for more. You know, and I've talked to... Uh, yeah, I was having lunch with Andrew yesterday, uh, and just to pick on him since he's not here. Um, and, you know, his whole experience of faith came about because he got to a point in his life, and if it was much earlier than it came in mine, good for him, uh, where he said, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing which was essentially going to college, playing hockey, going out drinking, and maybe going to class occasionally. And he, he recognized at some level that that, w- that wasn't right, that, there, that that's just not what was intended for his life. And so he, you know, he cries out, there's got to be more. And in fact, he cried out to God, God, there has got to be more. I, I, wanna, I want to know more. You know, I want to know what you have for me. And I don't know if uh, he may have shared this story, and I hope I get it right because he was t- telling it to me yesterday. But he said the next day his dorm phone rang. Now, this is not a, a widely known number, as you guys have been to college know. I mean, it's, well, it probably they don't have phones in dorms anymore. But they used to, believe it or not. They were pay phones, actually, back in the day. <laughs> and so he gets this call, and the lady's calling for Andrew Taylor. And, and he says, well, I'm Andrew Taylor. And, and her response was, so y- you want to know more about Jesus? <laughs> and his eyes get real big, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm going to send you a book. And that's the end of the conversation. Well, she, I mean, also you probably recognize that it wouldn't be really obvious as to where to send this book. But a couple of days later, in the mail, he gets this book in his box at the dorm. And it's a kid's picture book. That are, there may be 12 pages total with maybe one sentence on the bottom of each page. And in pictures, it tells the story of Jesus. (laughs) As a result of him crying out and saying, God, I know there's more. And so for him, I think that's kind of continued to be a driving force in his life. And I mean, he is certainly that is now, that he is seeking more. So, let me continue with this. Mm -hmm. 
Smith goes on to say, it is impossible to overestimate the importance of being filled with the Spirit. It is impossible for us to meet the conditions of the day, to walk in the light as he is in the light, to subdue kingdoms and work righteousness and bind the power of Satan unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying it's impossible for us to really live the life that we are called to unless we are seeking that Holy Spirit. And then there's this last paragraph. God wants us to understand spiritual gifts and to earnestly desire the best gifts. That's from 1 Corinthians 12, 31. He also wants us to enter into the more excellent way of the fruit of the Spirit. We must implore God for these gifts. It is a serious thing to have the baptism, meaning the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and yet be stationary. What does he mean by that? He means you've got this power and you're not doing anything with it. That you have this baptism of the Holy Spirit with the ability to do all these things, and yet you've chosen, for whatever reason, to not act on it. To be stationary and not moving in it. We must be willing to deny ourselves everything to receive the revelation of God's truth and to receive the fullness of the Spirit. Only that will satisfy God and nothing less must satisfy us. And so as I was thinking about that some, one of, I was you know, trying to work this out in my head sort of, you know, how to present this, and, and you always sort of, you know, try to think if you are, um, as Paul was excellent at doing this in his writings, and I, there's a name for this that I just can't pull out of my old seminary training, but when you are writing in such a way that you are anticipating the arguments that people may make, Right? So there's a way that you're, you're sort of writing and you're anticipating what others are going to say. And if you read Paul a lot, you see that he's doing that. He'll sort of like ask a rhetorical question and then answer it. And so he's, he's kind of going through that in his writings. So I sort of, you know, it's trying to do the same thing. And I'm thinking, well, okay. So, you know, we go in there on Sunday and we say, well, we're, we're just going to pray for people to receive whatever God has for them or something along those lines. And the first thought that come, came into my head was, well, wh there are certainly going to be people there that are going to say, well, but I've done that before and uh, nothing happened. God didn't give me anything. You know, I've asked for this, didn't happen. And so kind of not interested in that anymore because obviously God does not want to give it to me. That's the conclusion that ultimately you come to, I think. Is that if I ask this, you know, I've asked, God didn't give it to me, oh well, I'm just not one of those spiritual people. Yeah, you are. You really are. Here's the catch. You can't just ask once. Now, why is that? I don't know. 
I really wish I could answer that. I've wanted to answer that question. I, I, I asked for the, the, the gift of tongues so many times, and it never would happen. And then one day it did. The thing is, I kept pursuing it. I, I, it was just something that I really wanted for myself. But I didn't give up. Now, why God chose that particular evening as opposed to all the other times, and I mean, this was with people that I knew well, who I knew were very spiritual people, who had prayed for me, nothing happened, so on and so forth. And this particular night, evening, I was completely by myself. Sally was off, some, was off in Indiana taking care of her mom and dad. Jarrett was at a party. And I was by myself. And, it, and that's what happened. It was Halloween. It was a sleepover. Yeah, believe it or not, I got the gift of tongues on Halloween. I always thought that was just rather amusing. Um, but my point in all of this is you can't just ask once. There's a reason why the story of the persistent widow is in Scripture. You know that story? If you don't, the story is of this woman who has had an injustice done to her. <clears throat> and she's trying to get justice in some way. She keeps going to this judge. Now, the judge is not exactly above board. <coughs> in fact, I think he is called an unjust judge in the story. And so he is kind of just not predisposed to give her justice. And, but she doesn't give up. She goes, you know, I don't know how often, doesn't really say, every day, however, whenever court's in session, whatever the case may be. She goes and is after, you know, this, after justice. And eventually, the way the story goes, she basically wears the judge out, right? She keeps going back, and finally the judge is like, I have got to get rid of this woman, and the only way I'm going to do it is to give her what she wants. And so he grants her p petition for justice. Okay, now, don't go to the place, and I'm not sure why, Jesus told the story exactly that way because it sort of makes it sound like God the Father isn't willing to give us certain things. And I don't think that was the intent of the story at all. The intent of the story was that we have got to keep after things. There has got to be a perseverance element in our prayers and in our asking for those things of God. And so... That's really the bulk of our message today. Um, and so what I thought we would do, and I don't know, John, I keep, I keep getting the sense that you know what we're supposed to do next. Is that true? <laughs> it's okay to say no, but if you, because uh, I, I can keep going, but if there is, if you have some um, revelation, I would certainly welcome hearing it.
good point. I think that's good, and uh, you know, it also sort of brings up something else, and that's the idea that you know, God speaks several times in his word about his ways being higher than our ways and greater than our ways, and his, his thoughts, again, greater and higher than ours. And, and if you start to think about this in connection with all of the other things that this could potentially be connected with, and I know it's hard to do that. That's why God says what he says. But the ripple effect that any one thing can have in the kingdom of God is incredible when you stop and think about it. And usually we can only see these things from in our rearview mirrors. We can't really see them in front of us, but we can see the results of something that happened earlier, and now we've reached a point where it's like, oh, now that makes sense. Like planting a church was, I can tell you, you can feel free to disagree, was the absolute, was not even remotely on our radar when Sally and I moved here from Indiana. We weren't even really going to church. <laughs> So, but yet, I think as we look back, we can see very clearly that was the hand of God. Between that and any number of other things that have happened between that time and this. And so I think it works the same way with, you know, when we ask for spiritual gifts and we don't, we don't maybe get what we are asking for. I think all that means is there's some there's a timing issue perhaps somewhere. There could be a heart issue. Let's not ignore that. It's why why are you asking for a particular gift? You know, you've got to make sure that your heart is pure in that request. And um, but then you know if it is not received in that moment, then come again, and come again, and come again, until you get what you want. So, yes ma'am? Sure. Well, 
Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I, and I, I would agree with that. That, and if you couldn't couldn't hear what Sandra was saying, <coughs> she was talking about the idea of pursuing pursuit, and that um, that pursuit is an act of love, right? You know, as you're it, just as if you're pursuing someone that you have grown to become very fond of, and you want to become you want them to become more fond of you, and you want to know them more and spend more time with them and so forth. It's all wrapped up in this uh, to a certain extent. So I think we'll do this. If I could get the worship team to come back. How about <clears throat> if we spend some time pursuing? You need to you need to come up here to speak because nobody else can hear you. First, I'd like to call your attention to our mission statement. Does everyone hear me okay? Because our mission is to make disciples. We believe that the best way to do so is by practicing a, practicing a naturally supernatural lifestyle. Obeying the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. We actively for ways to reach out to our neighbors in our community. <coughs> well, we can't do the works of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Everyone on board with that? Yeah. And we, Jeff and I have talked enough about the gifts of the Spirit belong to the Spirit, and they are the right, the birthright of every believer. So what I question I have right now is, is there anyone in here who's satisfied with the level of gifting they have? Or would we all like more? More. 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 Okay. Well, the worship team is what I'm feeling is we should partner up with someone near us, and I want to stay away from husbands and wives praying together right now, but pray with someone else, and tell that person which gifts you want and have them pray for it, and then reverse. Because there's nothing magic about the anointing of the Spirit on Jeff and I or Mark or Andre. The same Spirit resides in and on every one of us. And we all have the authority and the power to seek the Spirit and to walk with each other, helping seek the Spirit. Make sense? That sound good to you? So I'll go back to my home back. So... Worship team is going to play. We have communion that is available on each side. Um, you can, if you follow John's instructions and you partner up with someone, maybe you would like to go with that person and serve each other communion first and then come back and pray uh, just to kind of set the stage for this, you know, to worship a little bit through that. Um, so we're, we'll probably turn the lights, the overheads off and um, just let you know just let God come and and I wouldn't be in a hurry right now to, to, to go and immediately find someone I would I would ask let God direct that right ask God okay Lord who am I supposed to go up and uh, and pray with today
And then as soon as you get a thought or a picture, I would go with that. You know, so often we ignore that initial first impression and you know, think, well, we've got to dig deeper when in fact it's God speaking to us saying, well, here's the person I told you already. What are you waiting for? So, I mean, if you get an impression about with something like that, I would act on it. And if you don't get one right away, that's fine. Just sort of stay with it. So, Holy Spirit, we, we so much want everything that you have to give us. Father, we know that in order to, to walk in the way that you have prescribed for us, we can't do that on our, in our own strength. We need the power and the presence of your Spirit in greater and greater measure. And Lord, by our own admission, none of us in this room right now is satisfied with where we are. We all want more. More of you. So Lord, I just pray that you would come now in power upon this gathering. That you would direct each person exactly as you would have them uh, respond today. Bless them for the desire that they have. Bless their request for whatever gift they may seek. give you great thanks and all of our praise. In Jesus' name.